Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about holding boundaries. Mandalit and I had tackled an idea that unsettled her, setting boundaries. She was a lifelong good girl who, despite her success in business, often struggled to advocate for herself. After we'd explored the idea of setting a boundary, she asked, suppose I do set a boundary. I'm guessing that's not the end of the conversation. What happens next? I smiled and said, then you have to hold it. She gave a little grunt. You know, I hear those words and I think of going to war. It terrifies me. I nodded. Yeah, some people do go to war, don't they? But, you know, that is not what I mean by holding a boundary. Holding a boundary to me is meant to be healthy. Like I said before, boundaries are self-care. Are you worried about going to war? I'm not sure. I guess a little. I worry the leadership team will think I'm a whiner or a bitch. Would that be a war? No, probably not, because I'd surrender right away so they don't get upset. Mandalit, I said, that is so powerful. Can we unpack that a little? Sure, she said. If we're going to discuss holding a boundary, let's use one of the situations you've already mentioned. Do you want to use the one about the leadership team asking you to move or you asking your husband to turn down the TV? She and I had discussed both earlier. She said, asking my husband to turn down the TV, that is so stupid. Let's do the leadership team. Wait, I said, stupid, why? Because, I don't know, it feels so trivial. I said, wanting your husband to turn down the TV is something you want. And consequently, by its very nature, your want cannot be trivial. You're entitled to want things, Mandalit. You're entitled to ask for what you want. Calling your wants trivial or racism, don't. They're yours. She said, thanks, okay, I get that. But I still have no idea what I'd ever say. I said, well, then let's give it a dry run. Suppose I'm your husband. The TV is cranked up. You'd like me to turn it down. What would you do? She said, ooh, yikes, this is embarrassing. Okay, what would I say? I'd say, um... Jorge, sorry to bother you. I know you like it you know, when you get painted in sound, but uh, I'm trying to read some stuff from work in there, and could you maybe turn down the TV a little? I could see that that had been hard for her. I said, whoa, Mandalit, bravo. How was that? She was surprised. It was okay. I asked, and if you asked him that, would there be ripples? You know, would he be hurt? Would you lose sleep? Anything like that? No, she said, I don't think so. Well, there you go. You just set a boundary. And if there aren't any ripples, it should be pretty easy to hold it. She gave a little laugh of relief. Okay. I asked, can I point out two things I noticed? Actually, three? Sure, she said. First, when you want to set a boundary, avoid apologies. You don't need to apologize for asking for what you want. She asked, when I did that just now, did I apologize? 
Well, almost, I said. You began with the words, sorry to bother you. Did I, she said? I don't remember that. Look, we could debate whether that's an apology or a bridge builder, but either way, when you're setting a boundary, avoid apologizing. That's the first thing. She gave a little grunt. (laughs) It's going to be a challenge, but okay, what else? Well, this next thing is something I thought was excellent. Really, she asked. Beginner's luck, probably. I went on, you said, I know you like to get painted in sound. That is so specific. I'm guessing that's something your husband has told you about himself. She raised her eyebrows. It is. When you're setting a boundary, using the other person's words can be really helpful. It acknowledges his position. You're letting him know you've heard him and that you have something you want to ask. Using their language as part of your ask, I think it can be really effective. She made a note and asked, Was there a third thing? Yes. The third thing is interesting. You tell me what you think. You said, I'm trying to do some reading for work. When I heard that, my very first thought was that it sounded like an apology, like you were needing to give your want importance, you know, validating it. That's a defensive posture. Then I thought, well, no, maybe it's the opening for trading stories. Trading stories? Is that part of setting a boundary, she asked, a little incredulous? It can help hold a boundary, I said. You know how we were talking about people going to war over a boundary? One reason people get upset in these conversations is because they don't know each other's stories. I mean, suppose you come to me, you know, you ask for whatever it is you want from me, without apologizing, she threw in. Right, without apologizing. You know, you ask your ask, but what I hear is a demand. I hear the end of your thinking, you know, turn down the TV, or I want to stay with my team. What I do not hear is any of the thinking that got you to that conclusion. You know, I don't know why you're asking. I don't know what it means for us going forward. I don't know your story, and you don't know mine. If we trade stories, holding the boundary gets a lot easier. She asked, so trading stories would be like me saying, I have to read this stuff from work? Maybe, but haven't you wanted him to turn down the TV before? It's not always about having to read things for work, is it? No, she said. Well, talking about why you want him to turn down the TV in the first place, that would be the story to tell. Oh, I see, she said. So what might that sound like, Mandalid? She smiled a little sheepishly. I've never liked loud noise. It's why I never go to concerts. Even the movies sometimes, it's just too loud for me. Well, that's a perfect example of a story you could trade. She was nodding and thinking. After a moment, I asked, Can I add two more tools, or are you already full up? She smiled. No, bring them on. Okay, it can help you hold a boundary if you... I held up one finger. State your intention... I held up another, and assume good intent. She was taking notes. She said, stating my intention would be like, I want to be able to read my stuff from work, right? No, I said, intentions aren't about actions. They're about, why are you bringing this up? 
What do you intend by setting this boundary? In your case, you know, I might state my intention by saying something like, I know you like to get painted in sound, and I'm trying to do some reading for work. My intention isn't to ruin your experience. My intention is to find something we can both agree on and feel good about. She laughed a little. You started with a negative. What your intention isn't, that's pretty clever. So I could say to the leadership team, it isn't my intention to appear ungrateful. Perfect. Yes, Mandalit, you could. Stating what your intention is and isn't can help de-escalate a situation. I mean, one phrase I use is, it's not my intention to put you on the defensive. It's amazing how that phrase can calm things down. Most people hear it as an olive branch. She was trying to take it all in. She gulped some air and then asked, what's the second one? That was about intention too, right? I laughed. Well, I hadn't meant it that way, but yeah, you're right. It's absolutely about intention. This is about me assuming good intentions on the other side. No matter what happens, I'm going to assume the other person has my good intentions at heart. I'm going to remember that holding boundaries is self-care, and the other person is trying to hold their boundaries just like I'm trying to hold mine. Assume good intent. Don't take it personally, she said. I think you know I suck at that. But you can develop the muscle, Mandalit. I don't think anybody's been born who doesn't take things personally. We all do. And we can all get better at it. She said, this is what you talked about before, right? If they get all emotional, I didn't cause that. It's not about me. Don't take their reactions personally. Yes, right. And... Sometimes it's hard because even with these skills, people sometimes react in ways that are upsetting. But it's less likely when you can use these tools. It ended up that Mandalit's leadership team did not ask her to move to a new role, so she never had to set that boundary. But she did ask her husband to turn down the TV. She was thrilled to find that even at home, she could benefit from the look and sound of leadership. I have a client, a guy named Carson. Carson says he has the coolest job in the world. He creates media for an international sports franchise. He loves his work, and he is a really nice guy. A really nice guy. He often tells me about things that he wants at work resources or systems but he wasn't telling his boss and he suffered i mean he was a really nice guy and that part of him had been winning what's happened during our coaching is he's developing scripts he's finding words to say for carson the scripts are like a match flaring up in a dark room He'd been feeling really frightened and paralyzed of these, these boundary conversations, right? But the scripts really make him feel like he has a map to follow. He isn't great at it yet, but he's better in those conversations than he was, and that's thanks to the scripts. And I have to say, scripts were helpful to me too when I was first learning these skills, and really, I still use these scripts. 
This episode had a whole bunch of scripts, words you can have at your ready when you want to express your wants in the most healthy way possible. I really do hope you will use them. And because there were really so many, I'm just going to do a really quick bullet point review. I don't know that I've ever done this before, but I feel like it's really appropriate here. So just see if these ring a bell. When you want to exercise your muscles at holding boundaries, you can avoid apologizing, use their words in your ideas, be careful of giving your ideas importance. Your ask is important just because it exists. Share the story behind your ask. It can build bridges as long as it's not told as an excuse. State your intention. What is it and what is it not? And assume the other person has good intentions. If you want to stretch your muscles, pick one of those and start practicing it in low-risk situations. Think of it. Practice it. If you want to, let's just say, avoid apologies, start listening for your apologies and for the apologies from other people. Turn your attention on apologies as much as you can. That's how you're going to build the muscle. And then you pick something else on the list. This has all been about one way to get better at holding boundaries. Everything you've heard so far are words to say, ideas to think. Before we leave this area, I want to add one more tool, and I think it's a biggie. Then I want to talk about another way that you can get better at holding boundaries. So here comes this one last technique that I'm going to throw in. Ready? Talk short. That's it. Talk short. <laughs> Talking short is so hard for people. People pack words around their ideas like, you know, bubble wrap around a glass globe. They over-talk and they over-explain and it is not helpful. Pare down your ask. Say it in as few words as possible and then stop talking. Become a listener or a watcher. Just stop and see what happens. Listen to learn, but talk short. Stop talking sooner. Uh, I know this is hard. Okay, good luck on that one. All of that, that heady part of holding boundaries, the scripts, the words, the preparation, that's one way to work on this. Another way is not through the head, but through the heart. I am going to tell you about it right after this month's gratitude. This month, in gratitude for all of you, we've posted another PDF. I mean, we've been having real fun creating these, and I'm thrilled that you've been going to get them. Help yourself. This month is a video review checklist. Look, we live in a world of video now, and video has so much to teach you about yourself if you want to develop in this thing called executive presence. I know you're all groaning. I know you're going, oh, I hate watching myself. That's okay. Listen, there are plenty of people who feel that way. I get it. But I want to share something that one of my mentors, when I was a, a very, very, very young actor in Hollywood, one of my mentors was a star on a series. And he said to me, oh, yeah, sure. I watch every episode when it airs. It's part of my job. It's the only way I can get better every week. So I think reviewing yourself on video, 
I think you should make it part of your job. If you want some help with it, go grab that video review checklist. I think it'll help you. It's on the Essential Communications website. It's in the tool bin. It's EssentialCom.com, EssentialCom with two M's.com. I am grateful. Help yourself. This month I have heard from so many of you with encouragement and support. Sometimes it's in an email. Thank you. Uh, sometimes it's in a review. In every case, you know I really appreciate it. This month we had reviews from Australia, Maurice in Oz, from here in the U.S., Trainer in Training, and David Lanchart. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Okay. We're going to talk about a different way to build your muscle in holding boundaries that is not through scripts and not through words. This way connects through feelings. So last month, the episode was called How to Set Boundaries. And a lot of that conversation focused on Mandalit and her feelings. We talked about things like not wanting to upset people and feeling responsible for other people's feelings. There are a lot of tools in that episode to help you manage your feelings, and I want to add one more tool. This is something I learned from a teacher of mine, and I shared it with Mandalit, and it is really simple. Dedicate 60 seconds every day to this practice. You stand in front of a mirror, you look yourself in the eyes, and you say, I love you. And you do that every day. 60 seconds. But you can say whatever else you want to, of course, but you have to start with, I love you. Amanda Lee told me that when she was first starting this, she was completely embarrassed. It made her horribly uncomfortable. But over time, it shifted. And by the time our coaching finished, she experienced it like a fist in her gut had loosened up a little. 60 seconds in the mirror, starting with, I love you. Now, let me just ask, is it clear why I've suddenly veered off and I'm talking about a self-esteem exercise when we're supposed to be talking about setting boundaries? I'm not sure if the connection is clear or not, so I'm going to connect the dots. Bear with me. The mirror exercise is a self-esteem exercise. It connects us to our feelings about ourselves. I believe our feelings about ourselves can also limit our ability to set and hold boundaries. I think it is next to impossible to set and hold boundaries until you have healthy self-esteem. So if you get better at the mirror exercise, you'll get better at setting and holding boundaries. And there are, of course, lots of paths to self-esteem. It's an entire category in the podcast library. There are lots of episodes there. I want to remind people about the works of Nathaniel Brandon on self-esteem. Really, I still find his words and his sentence completion exercises to be fantastic resources. It's Nathaniel Brandon on self-esteem. There's lots of books to choose from. And there are lots of episodes to choose from in our episode library. This episode is in three categories. It's in assertiveness, I, I hope you know why, right? Setting boundaries, assertiveness, communication skills, and managing yourself. There's just lots there for you. Please help yourself. Five specific episodes that you might listen to are Boundaries, which is episode 188 and has a whole different set of tools than this episode and last month's episode. Intimacy in business, setting boundaries. There is a really fascinating idea in that episode about emotional honesty. 
I would send you to Resolving Conflict and then two more, Conflict and the Conflict Conversation. Those last two, Conflict and the Conflict Conversation, are two of the favorite episodes ever, and I'm so glad you like them. I like them too. I'm really proud of them. I think they're great. They're from five years ago, and I'm about to put those two episodes on double duty. One of my daughters lives overseas, and I'm about to go spend a month with her. So in July and in August, I am going to rebroadcast Conflict and the Conflict Conversation. I'll pop in at the beginning to let you know about that month's PDF and to say hello, but then I'm just going to let the episodes play. If you've never heard them, they're really helpful. And if you have heard them, here's a question. Can you name all three rooms in Conflict House? That'll be July and August. But I won't be without internet. I look forward to hearing from all of you. I look forward to seeing your reviews. Okay, that's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.